Welcome to the inaugural episode of the UN Graph podcast, a show with reviews and interviews all throughout the week. On today's show, I was able to have a conversation with documentary filmmaker Brandon Kramer about his film The First Step. If you haven't caught the film yet, it is still playing virtually at the Hawaiian International Film Festival until Sunday, November 28th, and will surely be available at some other venues after that as well. Now, I'll give you a quick overview of what this movie is about. In 2016, as the progressive left prepares to fight newly elected President Donald Trump on every front, a presidential advisor makes a surprise announcement. Jared Kushner, whose father once served time in federal prison, wants to pursue criminal justice reform as a major Trump administration priority. This unexpected development creates a dilemma for TV host Van Jones, uh, who has worked for 25 years to fix the criminal justice system. Should he refuse to associate with the Trump administration or help free unjustly imprisoned people? But in the process, possibly bolster an administration whose policies he otherwise bitterly opposes. Jones makes his choice. Van and his team set out to help pass landmark legislation that would fix some broken aspects of the justice system and bring thousands of incarcerated people home early. Simultaneously, Jones mobilizes community leaders in rural Virginia and urban South LA to fight together for humane treatment, not incarceration for communities devastated by addiction. While trying to pass a bipartisan bill through a polarized Congress, Jones is condemned by the right for his progressives' beliefs and by the left for working with conservatives. The film reveals an intimate portrait of an activist's isolation and internal struggle as he fights to make change in a divided nation and everyday people in both political parties drawn into a historic fight for freedom and justice. But now let's get to my conversation with Brandon Kramer. Enjoy. Brandon Kramer, the filmmaker behind The First Step, is uh, joining us today to talk about the film. So Brandon, maybe uh, you can tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really, really honored to be on the show. I'm a uh, independent uh, documentary director based in Washington, D.C. Uh, I've got a production company with my brother called Meridian Hill Pictures, and we produce documentaries that, you know, really explore the complexities around social change. So really trying to dive into human stories about people trying to you know, create meaningful change in, in our country and trying to look at it in a very multidimensional, nuanced way. So seeing where social impact work is effective and successful and also looking at the challenges and you know, trying to explore uh, multiple sides of those of those stories. So the first step is our second feature documentary. Mm -hmm. um, and we worked on it for about five years. And uh, we just premiered the film in June at the Tribeca Film Festival and have been on the festival circuit, uh, actually went to 25 film festivals this fall and oh, wow. uh, just just came back from the Denver Film Festival this past weekend. And next up is Hawaii. Hawaii. Oh, that's exciting. Are you going to Hawaii as well? I'm not going to Hawaii, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. uh, it's a virtual festival this year, okay. but I'm um, honored to be in the festival for sure. Yeah. And I believe you also picked up uh, one or uh, the other reward as well at some of the festivals. So congratulations on that. And congratulations on a, a great film, a captivating film and important film as well. As someone who is based in Washington, D.C., having grown up there, 
Uh, how much has that influenced your filmmaking process and uh, your approach to filmmaking as well? Yeah, you know, growing up in the D.C. area, I, I was, I have to be honest, I was a part of this sentiment that nothing ever gets done in Washington, D.C., that, mm -hmm. you know, the city is so gridlocked in partisanship and, you know, special interests and all these different areas that it's, you know, nearly impossible to make progress. And I think following Van Jones and his team and seeing the process of an actual bill, you know, go through the, the gritty, painstaking journey of going from a bill into law has made me have some glimmer of hope and optimism. You know, it's actually, you know, I sat in these rooms with these senators. I was at the Trump White House multiple times. I saw the behind the scenes process and our camera saw, you know, in, in the film of what it actually looks like to build coalitions to compromise and make, you know, difficult sacrifices uh, in support of, you know, getting a bill across the finish line. And, you know, I'm sort of giving away the ending here, but, you know, this is a story about the brutal bipartisan fight to get uh, a, a criminal justice reform bill passed that did pass the U.S. Senate, the House, and was signed by the former president, uh, Donald Trump, and was one of the few bipartisan victories that happened during the mm -hmm. Trump era. You know, obviously, there's a lot of consequences to that, a lot of things to talk about as far as, you know, sacrifices that were made. But at the end of the day, almost... Uh, 20,000 people have been released from federal prison as a result of this legislation. And, you know, our, our film captures the behind the scenes journey to, to make this a law. What I found really interesting during the film is also that you have a, a varying set of different um, perspectives and opinions. Of course, as soon as you have uh, different, you know, parties being involved, but also uh, people with the same interest at heart, in, in, you know, the, the differences of, of opinion that um, come up there as well, whereas... Uh, Val Jones is more on the side of, you know, getting just something done, a step towards something that uh, means there's a release for uh, these incarcerated people. And then others who are working towards more a uh, full on um, reform and not just a step into the right direction and how that all plays into it. It was, it was just humanizing to see that process that political process be portrayed that I haven't seen done a lot so, so carefully and, and, and just well um, in a documentary. So really props to you. It was, was quite an engaging film to watch. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And, you know, that at the end of the day, you know, I think the goal for this film was that we had access and a relationship to a group of leaders working across the aisle, trying to build mm -hmm. this bridge. And my hope was I didn't want to capture this story in a way that just promoted, endorsed, uh, lifted up that point of view. What I wanted to do was try to tell a very honest story about, about that team, about Van's team trying to pass this bill, but also represent fairly and fully the other activists in this space who you know, didn't support the first version of the bill, mm -hmm. fought to you know, add more sentencing reforms into the legislation with the hope that you, know, you could have a movie where you can have people with varying different political backgrounds sit down, watch the film, trust that the film is being balanced and fair to the multiple perspectives at play, and then have a conversation after the film around, okay, you might feel this way, I might feel this way around 
how to, you know, make change in, in this country. Let's talk about it. You know, art and film can have a very uh, beautiful disarming effect on audiences. It can allow you to put to drop some of your, you know, some of your preconceived notions down a little bit. It can mm-hmm. open it by by feeling something emotional, connecting with these characters on a deep level. It can allow you to open your heart and mind up to alternate perspectives. And that's the beauty of filmmaking. And so my hope was telling a story about bridge building in a way that gives the audience a lot of openness and space to make up their own mind and their own hearts. It could lead to some increased ability to communicate and collaborate across different partisan lines. That really comes across uh, when you watch the film that it is not made for a particular audience to just nod their head and agree with everything that's put on screen, but it, it approaches that uh, the potential divide and um, closes it. Or as you, as you said, yeah, uh, tries to put a, a bridge between, between these different Uh, areas and uh, yeah it is done very uh, masterfully I gotta say Uh, I was wondering how was it working with I guess almost these uh, celebrity like uh, politicians and um, you know people how did that affect the process because I I assume that must be quite intimidating and sometimes a bit harder to get into to maybe get the trust of the team of Jared Kushner to uh, film um, those meetings between him and and Van Jones so Maybe you can tell us a bit about that process. Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking. I mean, that was one of the biggest questions that we faced early in production was, you know, if we're telling a story about a public figure, Van, and we're telling a story, you know, as a public figure, his life is surrounded by meetings, conversations, and exchanges with other public figures. So that's, you know, not exclusively, you know, Van's also deeply embedded in grassroots communities and, you know, people on the ground. but with the question came up early on, like, is there a way to make a cinema verite observational film that can authentically represent how this work unfolds when you're dealing with people who are, you know, very, very media savvy, very controlling access is almost never there to any of these exchanges. And that we didn't know the answer to that at the beginning. It was to be honest, like we were like, I don't know if this film is actually going to be possible. Mm -hmm. But Um, you know, it started with Van and Van was very supportive of the film from the get go. But I think there was a process of, you know, he's surrounded by cameras on a regular basis. And, you know, he's a media figure. He's on CNN. He's out there in the public light regularly. And so Van and I had to build a relationship where, you know, our camera could have sort of a different relationship to him and his life than all the other cameras, you know. When he came home after a hard day and was frustrated, was, you know, upset, uh, you know, sad or, you know, any of these kind of negative, more, you know, uh, uh, you know, negative emotions that you typically would not be filming. We had to build a level of trust and intimacy where he knew that when I was showing up in his life at these difficult times, I wasn't doing it to exploit his low point or his hardship. I was doing it because in telling a story about any human being, you have to capture the triumphs, the successes, but you also have to see, you know, where their struggle is and where they make mistakes and and fall on their face. Sometimes that's what humanizes. That's what allows an audience to really connect to, to a, to a protagonist. So it started with that process with him 
And, you know, it took a while. We shot this movie over the course of about four years. Mm -hmm. And the first year is really just building that relationship and that trust. And then after a certain point, when you're around somebody so much with a camera, they kind of forget it's there a little bit. And then that's when you start to open up to a more deeper and authentic representation. Um, and then from there, you know, it took Van, you know, a lot of these relationships started with Van. So Van would, you know, Van, Jessica Lewis, his whole team would approach some of these, you know, U.S. senators, Congress people, Jared Kushner, and, you know, basically say, you know, introduce me and my team and, you know, explain what we're trying to do with this movie. And then I had to, you know, with many of these cases, have direct conversations with U.S. senators with Jared Kushner explaining, this is what I'm trying to do with this movie. There was no gotcha element to this film. There was no, yeah. we're telling them one thing, but we're actually trying to film something else. So it was, I was really direct. Um, I'm trying to tell a story about this bill and the journey of getting it passed. And, you know, and then there was a lot, a long process of building relationships with their staff, getting their communications team on board. You know, it, you kind of have to like, build a lot of buy-in across many different places. And I did that often without a camera and just going to meetings with Van and his team and trying to get to know them, you know, without a camera present and then slowly was able to get the camera in the room for enough of the process that I felt like we could really fully represent what this journey looks like. Obviously, every meeting wasn't filmed. Some things we were blocked from, but I feel like over the course of four years, we got deep enough that what you're seeing in this movie really is a pretty authentic uh, glimpse into the way, you know, behind the scenes, Washington looks and feels like. Um, and it's hard and brutal, but it's also a little inspiring, too, if you see it. You know, the, like I said, <laughs> this bill did become law. And I've spent a lot of the last few years getting to know the thousands of some of the thousands of people who are now reunited with their families after serving you know, 10, 20, 30 year sentences as a result of this, uh, these compromises made in Washington. Yeah, that was uh, beautiful to see those, um, those reunited families and, and friends. It is really powerful and easy to forget if in DC itself that you look at people just through numbers and to connect that back to actual human beings that, that their lives are influenced directly by this. It, uh, yeah, it is inspiring to see that uh, that change is is possible. And seeing the this uh, process kind of firsthand from Bill coming into law, where do you feel like um, the expansion? I guess the next the next first step is going when it comes to uh, the reform of the justice system. And one thing I just want to say, just for 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 your listeners who maybe haven't seen the film yet, it might might have omitted this, but this is not a uh, a scripted documentary. It's not a yep. film mm -hmm. that is like a survey film. This is a film where we when we started production on it, we knew Van was seeking to work across the aisle on this issue, but we did not know what would happen at all. And so you're really, you know, fly on the wall following this journey, you know, right with us. Um, so I just wanted to... I guess I have a quick follow-up on that. So were you planning to extend the filming bit if it had taken longer to get this through the Senate? Uh, was that part of the process of the film as well? That it could go away longer? It's an art form that I learned from my mentors at Cartemquin Film. It's You're kind of following real life, but also trying to understand how to craft it into a story. And every story needs an ending, but you don't want to force it. So... It was really, 
we were prepared for this bill not to pass. In fact, I would say for a, most of the time we were filming the the process, it was looking like it was not going to pass. And, um, you know, that would have been an ending and it would have been a totally reasonable ending. It would have been yeah. a worse ending, in my opinion. But, you know, we were fortunate enough that it did pass. But yeah, we were we were kind of waiting for that natural um, stopping point. And, you know, we haven't talked about it much yet, but there's this whole other part of the film, which is this coalition that Van brought together, helped bring together of uh, frontline activists from South Central mm -hmm. Los Angeles who have been fighting the drug epidemic in Los Angeles for decades and frontline activists and leaders in, in rural West Virginia who are white, conservative, and the film kind of follows this miraculous uh, and tough uh, coming together across these geographic, political, racial lines to build these really deep relationships that I think are, you know, is, is probably one of the most inspiring parts of the story. And that was also a question about, you know, these are people that still have relationships, that still talk regularly, that still mm. are finding ways to work together. So it was like, you know, when when do we stop following those those 10 leaders as well? And we found that their their visit to Washington, DC, where they advocated as a as a coalition across these lines was a good sort of stopping point. I just went on a big tangent, but to get back to your initial question. Uh, yeah, the, the next uh, step, or I guess criminal justice reform, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I am not an expert on uh, this issue, even though I've attempted to become one through uh, through <laughs> through the filmmaking process. So um, I know that there are several aspects of criminal justice reform that are currently very, very live, you know, in Congress right now. Um, I don't know all the details about about those. Um, but what I can say is in the immediate aftermath of the First Step Act being passed, one of the things that occurred was that uh, several Republican governors came out in support of criminal justice reform and passed statewide bills that were very similar to the federal bill. And that was mainly a result of, you know, as a result of I'm sure many things, but once Trump came out in support of criminal justice reform and sentencing reform as a part of that, it in a way made the issue safer and, and easier for Republicans in certain states to get behind it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most of the prison population in the United States is in state prisons. Um, there's only, I think, approximately 10, 12 percent of the population in prisons that are in federal. So the goal with getting federal legislation passed is obviously to impact that population, but also to make it easier for governors to pass state legislation where uh, most of the, the prison population is currently at. But I think if you talk to anybody, even the biggest proponents of the First Step Act, everyone agrees this is one step in that direction. There are so many more reforms needed, way too many people behind bars that should not be behind bars. And the system itself is deeply, deeply problematic and flawed in so many ways. And I think uh, you know, Van, Lewis, Jessica, uh, they're working tirelessly and, and, and many other organizations um, and, and leaders that, that couldn't make it into the film, Topeka K. Sam, David Safavian, all these other activists that work on this every single day. Um, but if people want to learn more about criminal justice reform and, you know, issues that are uh, pressing right now, I would encourage them to plug in with the Reform Alliance, which is an organization Van founded with Jay-Z and Meek Mill that work on these issues, and also Dream Core Justice, 
which is uh, actually the the current name for the organ for the group that uh, Van and his team were a part of, which is called Cut Fifty in the movie. Oh, interesting. That's that organ. Oh, I didn't know that that organization. To I guess form into a new one, or did I did I? Hear they, right? they cut cut fifty was the initiative, uh, uh, the criminal justice initiative and uh, wing of the Dream Corps, which is an organization Van founded. Okay. Uh, they, as of recently, changed their name from Cut Fifty to Dream Corps Justice, and they're doing incredible work on reform. Um, so yeah, the Reform Alliance and Dream Corps Justice, I would are the two organizations you know leading the fight on on these issues. Uh, well, I guess uh, speaking of politics, <laughs> this whole time, of course, the whole film is about that. The Academy Awards are also quite uh, political a lot. So are you uh, hopeful or maybe hoping for uh, to be put on the shortlist uh, for this year's Oscars? Well, I know we will not be shortlisted for these this year's Oscars uh, because we actually do not qualify for these this year's Oscars. Um, there are... Uh, there are set requirements about uh, the, your film having had a limited theatrical run, and our film has not yet had any th uh, theatrical run. We we have been mostly prioritizing uh, film festivals thus far, so yeah. our film our film is not in eligibility this year. You know whether it'll be eligible next year or for what awards we'll have to see. Uh, but at the moment. Uh, we will not be a part of this year's Academy Award journey, but there are lots of incredible other documentaries out there that exactly. uh, friends of fr friends of ours <laughs> have made that I'm sure will be eligible and in competition. And um, this this year, you know, just traveling the film festival circuit, I've seen so many incredible films and met incredible filmmakers. You know, there's there's never really been a moment where I've seen so much talent and so much amazing stories kind of coming into the world at the same time. I think there's a lot of challenges that filmmakers are running into related to distribution and the, you know, the the stories that are being created and told and the 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 ever-evolving and ch rapidly shifting distribution landscape, I think, has yet to find uh, a sort of happy marriage and sweet spot. And so I think that's something that's being talked a lot about on the festival circuit and uh, our, you know, our film is, you know, amidst that journey and that process as well. Uh, so I guess maybe the more important question is uh, where can maybe people check out the film and watch it themselves? Yeah. So uh, anybody that's listening to this, the film will be streaming uh, for the next few weeks as part of the Hawaii International Film Festival. And mm -hmm. that is the best place for uh, uh, listeners to tune in. So if you just Google, you know, Hawaii International Film Festival, and our film is called The First Step. They can stream it there. And then after that point, you know, we're, we're right now in the process of trying to find distribution for the film. So hopefully in 2022, uh, you know, the film will be available on a larger platform. Uh, we're also planning to uh, launch an impact campaign around this film to have mm -hmm. it shown in community-based settings. Uh, mm -hmm. particularly in communities and in settings where there's lots of formerly incarcerated people and, and mm -hmm. people directly impacted by the criminal justice system. Uh, and then also in particular uh, in communities that are uh, purple states or, or you know, purple yeah. cities, pla places where Republicans and Democrats live close to each other in proximation to each other. I think, you know, our film, especially as we approach on the Thanksgiving holiday, you know, our this story is a story about how 
to take something you care about and find common ground with people that are, you know, feel very different than you about many issues. And I'm hoping the film can be a little bit of medicine for, you know, even those uh, Thanksgiving uh, dining room conversations that I know I have in my family that, that, that can be a little tricky. If people from South Central Los Angeles can, you know, Black and Latino leaders can sit down and have a cup of coffee with conservative white leaders from West Virginia and, and you know, share share stories of their humanity and, and the pain that they've both experienced from the drug epidemic in both communities, I feel like we can probably find some ways to connect with our, you know, uncle that voted differently than us or, or something like that. So exactly. I like that overall message to remain hopeful and in healing in a sense and coming back together after very divided uh, last uh, four or five years. Have you had the chance to um to have uh, interviews uh, about your film like numerously or uh, how has the interest been so far and how has it been received? Yeah, the film, the, the reception to the film has been amazing. Uh, it's been one of the beauties of the regional film festival circuit mm -hmm. is you get to sit in a movie theater and see this film that you've worked on for five years, you know, come to fruition and in, in people's hearts and minds. And so... I just, my brother and I have literally traveled in person to every single one of the film festivals the film got accepted into, which was about yep. 25 in 25 different states. And every audience reaction has been very, very different in, you know, super unique ways. Uh, you know, we played the film in Philadelphia at the Philadelphia Film Festival to a room full of people who were mostly impacted by the criminal justice system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they were there to try to learn more about how they could use their own personal experience going through the injustices of this system to advocate for laws and, and, and progress on this issue. So the movie was kind of a, a good uh, space to begin a conversation around how they use that personal experience to, to for toward advocacy. And that's what the dialogue was after that screening. Uh, we showed the film in Bozeman, Montana. In, and we, we actually won the award for best uh, feature documentary there, I think in part because it's in, you know, Bozeman is a city that's 50% Republicans, 50% Democrats. The audience was completely split. Uh, audience members during the QA self-identified as, you know, hey, I'm a Republican. This is how I feel. And, you know, it started a conversation around how, you know, even in the city of Bozeman or the state of Montana, how there are opportunities to come together and build relationships, maybe in ways that people hadn't seen. So we've enjoyed showing this film in very blue cities and very red cities and purple. And uh, it's it's resonated, uh, you know, across across all these demographics. And uh, as as the filmmaker who spent you know, five years working on it, you, it's a very gratifying part of the process. I mean, I'm, I'm really happy that it's been received uh, positively. And it, it is, I guess it comes back to not uh, alienating or portraying someone as uh, just as human and not as like the, the opposition, the evil um, that's causing the trouble. I think that's, that's just, uh, just a really productive way of approaching these issues. And oftentimes that is, I guess, not really the case. In politics, and it's it's great to see it when when it happens. When that, it is, that yeah. is 
Exactly. And it's been affirming because there have been people who have come to some of these screenings who, to be honest, are kind of come in the door and are like, look, I do not like Van Jones or I don't agree with, you know, I don't like what he's doing. And they walk out of the theater and they, they sort of, many of them, they're like, I, I still don't agree with what Van is doing. My <laughs> opinions on that have not changed, but I understand what he's doing yeah. a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't feel the same kind of, you know, vitriol that maybe I had. So it's not about changing people's positions. It's about creating a little bit more humanity so that people can see each other's views and opinions and strategies in ways that are, there's more understanding, more nuance, because tweets and headlines often, you know, don't allow for the level of depth that goes into, you know, how people feel and how they act in the world. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Twitter equals hater, like Van said himself. Sums it up very accurately. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, thank you so much, Brandon, for uh, joining us today. We are definitely looking forward to your next project and go see the first step at the Hawaiian International Film Festival. And uh, maybe if you're listening to this later, it might be already out playing somewhere near you or later down the line on VOD. So uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Brandon. Thank you so much. It's been an honor being a part of the show. Really appreciate you. (laughs) 